What's going on everybody? It's your boy Jonathan from Calling in Favors. But have I really called in any favors yet? So can I really call it the Calling in Favors podcast? Or is it just the angry golfer ranting about golf? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Hopefully we'll move forward. Going south might help uh, reaching out to some people down there. Playing some golf. We'll stop at Pinehurst. We'll play around. Probably use the short game area um, to fill some stuff. Um <clears throat> Yeah, you know, it's I'm excited to get going back down south. Um, I think that was part of me that got lost, you know. Uh, when I took the job at Harmon, it was year-round, and it was tough. It was a lot of hours. It's, you know, at the end, I was making good money, right? But at the beginning, it's a grind. You know, you took a risk. You took a chance on yourself, Um took a very small salary knowing that you were going to kill it because it's what you do you know when I start fitting golf clubs and I'm start talking golf people listen there's no if ands or buts or arguments you know I've seen it um I've seen the numbers I've seen the comments behind the scenes that's why when guys start saying stop ranting and raving about the same club and, and this that and the other thing it's you know, I'm not a member there anymore, but I grew up there and I'm still watching it and I'm still getting the DMs. And I'm still getting the texts. But more importantly, I'm getting the DMs and the texts from guys all over the country saying, same, dude, it sucks. Or I'm a member at this club and I wish the owner would put in more money. Well, that's the difference, right? The ownership and the member owned club are completely different. Um, and it should be. That's, you know, the owner's in it to make money. Right, You never heard me bitching and moaning about owners that I've worked for in the past taking money. A lot of times it was the time that they took money. It was when and how and it was the the lack of a plan and lack of organization. Um, that's one of the things that Brad Klein mentions a couple times. The word, He uses the word ad hoc. Like, Management at, pri at privately owned, member-owned clubs have to deal with things differently, right? If you're a private owner, you have your idea what you want in mind, and it's how do we maximize the dollar? How do we make as much money on this property as possible? And that's understandable, right? You're in business. That's the way you do it. So when things come up and things break and issues happen, you kind of deal with them as you go. Um if you're a member-owned private club, not-for-profit, you should have a 10-year plan in place, right? Um, and that was one of the things that Brad Klein harped on was putting a plan in place, a couple things this year, a couple things next year. Um, and that's what happens, right? When you do that, you catch up and you get ahead and the golf course gets in good shape. And then I mean, he mentioned national attention. I, I, I don't think you're going to get ever be on the national scale. But I think layout-wise and course-wise and vibe with the club, if we get it back to the way it was in like the 80s and 90s, you're in that second 25. You're somewhere, I think, between 25 and 35 in the state. Now, you've heard me say I think Vesper's underrated. But I don't think it's head and shoulders above Caddyshack 2. It's better. Yeah. And it's a little older and it still has that clubhouse and it still has that vibe and the conditions immaculate. So, yeah, it's a little better, but not head and shoulders. 
you know, member-owned clubs, you know, you start to see renovations. That's what they want. They want the golf course to kind of go back to what it was. Um, Brad Klein pointed out that 30% of the playing area has shrunk at my former club, right? They've, you know, over the time, budget, rough here, rough here, rough here. I can remember the first hole hitting that tee shot when that tree was up there by the scoreboard and the fairways were firm and fast and the fairway on one used to actually go all the way out to the bunkers and the tree line. So the ball would land on the hill and it would take off into the bunker and it was hard. You had to hit a golf shot. Um, I'm not going to get into that now. I will kind of at the end give you some of the advice and some of the things that I think I would add to even the Klein report. Um, couple things with some fescue and some runoffs around the greens that I think would look awesome and and take that step to, to remembering what that place was and and getting the golf course back to being the jewel of it, right? Um, you know, somebody reached out today and asked me what I look for in, in joining a club. So that's what we're going to get into right now. Obviously... Um, this is my opinion, right? And I have access to a lot of different places, public and private. So what I'm looking for in a club might be different than what you're looking for in a club. But I think there's a lot more guys that are on my side of, hey, let's keep it golf and understand that if there's 128 guys there playing a golf tournament, the social act is going to happen, right? You know, there's going to be the comedians and the clowns and the guys that drink, the guys that don't. But that's what runs the social aspect of a club. Um, recently, they had a tournament, and I talked about it briefly in the last rant. But it was a great event. It, when it started, um, I'm not going to get into the names of who started it, but the guy moved out of town. He's no longer in town. And the event kind of lost its way a little bit. When they first started, it was just a bunch of guys having some fun gambling on a Saturday, right? It, it was, um, I even think there might've been a few guests involved and stuff like that. It was fun. It was a tournament, but it wasn't run out of the golf shop. Those guys did it. There was no cut from the club. And then they stayed and they stayed in the down bar and they ate and they drank and they had a good time and they laughed. And it was kind of their big event to end the season. Unfortunately, he moved away the guys that were all part of it originally kind of lost interest and lost part of it. The club took it over. And when the club took it over, they became an management fee. And, you know, there was fees for this. And the last year I was there, um, they let them go anywhere they wanted on the golf course. There was like 32 guys playing in something like 16 groups. No, it was 32 teams, I think, 16 groups. And rather than have like two on one, two on 18, two on 17 and clear the first tee and then open the golf course, they just let them go wherever they wanted. And then the winning team magically came in like two and a half hours after everybody else finished. So um, that's when money started ruining things, handicaps, guys complaining. And then the guys that won it that year, they all went to one of the members owns a restaurant. They all went to his restaurant. Well, that wasn't the idea of that tournament. That tournament was a year-end money builder for the club. Listen, management, yes, they've been nickel and diamond you, and it's bad. It, it, it's, it's a single owner-run golf course now. You may as well give it to them. 
Um, but you, you let it happen. You did it. You know, you guys stopped coming in. You guys stopped supporting the club. You know, there has to be that give and take between membership and management, right? Um, I mean, you talk about LeBaron Hills going up for auction yesterday or whatever it is, the sale behind the scenes, whatever the details, you know, three years ago, they were going to eat lunch at Pecora Brook because management refused to open 15 minutes early. Now, members, really, you can't have one more from the cart girl sitting outside on the patio until they come out and serve you. But management, really? Membership is asking you to open 15 minutes early so they can spend money. That's a no-brainer, right? You know, I stepped on the first tee at Marion Golf Club the other day, and the gentleman came up to me and said, I've just started. I'm a new beginner. Um, I I'd rather play by myself. And I'm like, great. I was actually going to record, so I'd rather play by myself as well. But he came up to me and he said, yeah, I, I just moved into town. I went to the other place down the street, um, Reservation. And I tried to play and try it. It's a private club. They just said, no, you can't go. I said, they didn't offer you the opportunity to see it or show you around or ask you if you wanted to join. You said, no, not really. And I just shook my head. Like, listen, you can't cry poverty and him on his way. Right? The other thing, too, is, you know, I'm getting furiously frustrated with AT&T down here in the New Bedford area. I called them the other day and I'm like, listen, I've been a member for 20 years. I've been a customer. They know it's much harder to get a new one than it is to keep me happy. Just pacify me. Just tell me we're making progress. Tell me you're acknowledging the problem. But no, they keep pissing on your leg. So again, we're going to get into my likes and dislikes. I don't want to go on another rant, but... Um, if it sounds like I'm ranting against my former club on this, it is not. 100%, this is my checklist when joining a golf club or a country club, whatever it is, right? Um, no, it's not going to be anytime soon. I'm not financially ready to do that right now. I made that choice. I did the things I did. I'll be back. Trust me. It's coming. All right. It starts with greens, right? I, obviously, that comes up by no surprise, I'm sure. You know, it, it, if you're asking me the questions, John, what are you looking for joining a club? You know, you know what I mean. You get it. You know what good, good greens feel like, right? Um, if you're wearing sneakers or a soft-soled shoe, you can tell, right? When you step on firm, healthy tight knit solid greens you look down and it looks like a um a pool table felt almost you don't see leaves you don't see blades of grass you know it's just tight knit really good you know um the, yeah there's times when greens don't look or feel great and you show up and you you, you kind of walk to the putting green and you're like oh these look terrible and then you get out there and they roll awesome right Thorny Lee, for a perfect example, the guy that I brought out there, he thought they had just been punched because they overseed with a, an aggressive grass that kind of spreads, you know, and, and helps fight the Poe. So when he saw the holes, he was thinking, all right, they punched, but they were perfect, right? So um, you can tell, you know, you know, when you walk on a good green, like, all right, this is... 
this is a good solid green. When you walk on the greens at DW, you know, Triggs, um, Resi, uh, Thorny Lee, obviously, you know, those good Hyannis Port on the Cape is always great. Oyster Harbors is always great. Um, and again, I know these are all high-end clubs, but I've mentioned Triggs. George Wright, I heard, was amazing this year. Harmon's usually good. Um, you know, around us here in Massachusetts, greens are a thing. We got bent grass, 100-year-old Poe. Um, we're spoiled, right? I am the first to admit I am spoiled when it comes to greens. So when I'm putting golf courses like Marion and Triggs and um, DW in Brockton, you know I'm not exaggerating, right? I truly think they're good, solid greens. Barnstable Fairgrounds another one that usually has really good, solid greens. You know, we play the Cape Cod Open there every year. You know, and I'm not talking, you know, all right, we're playing a tournament, we're going to double cut and roll, and they're different. I'm talking good greens on a random Tuesday because it's a random Tuesday. Now, no, you don't have to double cut and roll them and have them lightning like it's going to be for the men's member guests. But 10 and a half, 11, plenty fast enough, good, firm, solid greens. You know, guys get so caught up in saying how fast the greens are and how good they are. Listen, just because they're fast don't mean they're good. Um, at my former club, Caddyshack 2, I know you guys have heard me say this over and over and over again, but there was never speed for me. They're always fast there. It was bumpy. You know, they were soft. They were mush. You could fucking tell size, make, and model of every shoe that the person in front of you was wearing. Um, it was bad. You know, it just was, I didn't want to have a six footer downhill on 18 for the match. You hit it and it's fucking playing Plinko on the way down. Like it's no good greens are anything above a nine and a half, 10 and smooth, right? When you hit a ball mark in there, they don't fucking explode. You know, um, how many times have you had a four footer and somebody hit a great shot in there by the hole and it just, the ball mark exploded because of how soft they were. So now you got to putt through that shit for the rest of the day. <laughs> to make it worse, they stopped changing cups. So now you had to putt through that shit for the next three days. So it got to a point now where the greens were a just constant issue that they weren't acknowledging. And then this year they lost a few of them. It's pretty sad. They called the guy from next door to come on over and bail him out. And then the first thing he said was, When's the last time you punched? I don't see any sand in these things. And they're like, oh, we, you know, we needle time. And they still didn't punch this fall. So, again, I don't want to get on a rant, but it's just hard to talk about it when it, it, it's it's kind of a, a an open conversation throughout the area. My text messages and DMs haven't stopped. So it's, it's one of those things it's hard not to get stuck on. So overall, course conditions, a second, you know, and it's more member overall course conditions. If I'm going out there and I'm I'm playing a club that I'm thinking about joining, I'm looking at the bunkers. Are the members raking the bunkers? Are the members fixing ball marks? And I get it, you know, um, it only takes one to make it look awful. So you kind of look at all of them. You, as you go around and you're in the bunkers, what do they look like? You know, um, a lot of clubs, COVID, a lot of COVID golfers, when they started, you weren't raking bunkers, so they don't know any better. And if you don't notice, 
I'm not always complaining, right? I mean, I gave props to everywhere I played this year. So I, I don't get the whole angry golfer thing. I, yes, I'll push the boundaries sometimes and I'll say some more. I'll say more than other people will. But judging by the DMs and the comments, I'm saying what other people wish they could, you know. So, um, again, we got to do a better job for COVID golfers. At the same time, remember, it's not really their fault. You know, they came in at a time where we weren't raking bunkers. Ball marks, there's no excuse. Um, if you're a member at a private club and you're not fixing ball marks, I, I have no sympathy for you if they kick you out. That's, you know... Um, that's what it comes down to. You know, the superintendents out there, they have a lot of work and they have a lot of responsibility. But unfortunately, they're not the ones hearing it, right? The golf professional is. Ah, oh, the bunkers were terrible. They haven't been raked. Ah, oh, blah, 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 Mark. But, you know, it's it's the superintendent's responsibility. If they're not out there changing cups in the morning, they're not out there looking at ball marks either. And they shouldn't have to if it's a private club. But again, when, you, when you're kind of walking around and you're trying to figure out um, do I want to join a club, right? Do, it, it's one of those things where you can kind of see where the money goes. It's, you know, overall course conditions, clubs kind of from club to club change, you know, obviously, um, if you have tennis court pool and all that, you know, you, you, you're going to kind of cut as many corners as you can, but those are the places that usually have immaculate green. So nobody cares about anything else because they understand, you know, greens first out to the apron, about 30, 40 yards. You know, those are the ones that should be getting aerated, um, top dressed regularly, rolled probably once a week. You know, it takes five extra minutes with the roller on the greens to kind of go to the approach. Um, when you start seeing that, that's when you kind of get it. All right, this golf course, they get it. The members kind of give and take. Maybe, you know, or maybe the budget isn't huge, but they get where to spend the budget. So um, that's another one when I'm looking at it, you know, um, what's it look like? You know, what do you look out at? You know, is it pretty? Are they doing all kinds of crazy stuff? Or is it, you know, tree line, um, fairways pretty wide out to the trees? So you're not having to worry about much clutter and things like that. You know, to me, the two-tone fairway I think it looks great. It's cost efficient. It's better for the grass. And you start, that's why you're starting to see all these top clubs doing it. Um, so for the guys, the superintendents that are set in their ways that are like, ah, oh, this is the way we cut fairways, mix it in once in a while. See if it works, right? Um, those are the things you look for at clubs. Are they willing to kind of get outside their comfort zone a little bit, right? Um, layout is next it's not that important to me anymore. You know, um, that's kind of personal for everybody, but layout really isn't that important to me when joining a place because I play so many rounds at other tracks that does it really matter? You know, um, uh, I don't know that I would join a nine hole club again. Maybe I, it, it's kind of up in the air, but you know, that gets a little repetitive. Um, if I did, it would probably be one like the one that I grew up at on the water, even though it's like 5,700 yards. When the wind starts blowing, the greens are about the size of this roof, rock hard and firm. That's kind of a place that I could play, you know, every day and not get old because I play enough places elsewhere. Um, but I would probably want it to be, you know, 18 holes, you know. Um, 
could join Caddyshack. It probably wasn't Bushwood still. It was Caddyshack already. Um, it kind of checked all of the boxes. You know, it's it's a classic old school. When I joined, it was a Ross. Now it's a Willie Park. You know, when I'm looking at layout, if it's a Ross, it's a little bit more special to me. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm that dude. I love this style. Don't forget, I went to New Bedford Vogue and I was in architectural drafting with thoughts of maybe going to college for landscape architecture. So I pay attention to this stuff, um, maybe a little bit more than others. But I mean, shit, this podcast online about fucking Pokemon. So um, so what? I rant about golf a little bit. Right. Um, but when I joined Caddyshack, it checked most of the boxes. And even though it had already kind of started turning to Caddyshack, um, they hadn't really, they, or if they had, I hadn't noticed it. Um, it, the golf course was still above average. It wasn't as good as it been in the past, but I was thinking the membership drive that they were going to do was going to put some money back into the golf course. And I was thinking maybe it would go over the hump. Um, somebody asked me once where they, I thought they went wrong. And my, my answer timeline wise i'm not exactly sure and i'm not sure when this happened but i know it happened um when i worked there as a bag room in like the late 90s early 2000s the vibe of the club revolved around the golf shop the tournaments the golf course and the down bar um by the time i had joined the vibe of the club had turned to the business office and the bar upstairs. And now the tent has replaced the down bar. So that's where I kind of think personally, um, you know, it, it, it kind of was already starting when I joined the member guests way overpriced and went away. Um, and you hear me rant all the time that if golf is good, social happens, right? Um, the first member guest I played, it was awesome. I brought my staff. Um, we ended up sitting down at dinner with, uh, a member who was a member at Resi for years and I've known him. He's a steamship captain and his guests. And we had a few drinks and we hung out and we would have never thought to leave. You know, it was a decent box lunch with a sandwich or actually, no, I don't even think we did lunch. I think we had to pay for lunch. But whatever, it was a great sit-down steak dinner at the end. And the reason why I bring it up was the last member guest that I played, we got there, the lunch was a giant barbecue. It was like 85 degrees, so I didn't want to eat that. It wasn't the spring barbecue. If um, It was just a barbecue lunch. And then when we got done playing, it was served app or passed app. So we left. Like, we didn't have any of the food. We didn't have any of the booze. I mean, I don't even remember where we went for that one. But that's, you know, there's so much social opportunities elsewhere, right? The golf club and the country club, for me personally, is never going to be my let's the wife to dinner. You know, um, I, I just, you know, social events... If I'm playing the tournament and things like that and they happen, you know, me and the girlfriend went um, when 
another one of the car girls was throwing a fundraiser. So we, you know, I, yeah, you know, when things like that go on, but it's never going to be my, let's go to the club for dinner, right? If we're going out to dinner, I'm going somewhere in Providence or Boston or Newport or, you know, there's just so many options. And to be honest, that's not even leaving my town. Like it, it if I stayed in town, there's a lot more options. So it's never going to be my number one option unless there's a food minimum. You know, somebody kind of complained. We talk about my old club where I grew up and there's no restaurant, right? Well, I was at a club up where I worked at in Boston that had no food minimum. So then you complain about guys not coming in and, and guys that do come in. Well, if you don't have a minimum, it's so hard for the chef to buy he doesn't know who's coming in, who's not coming in, you know, um, it, it sucks. You know, when I first joined, they had actually a, um, a chop house menu and it was awesome. I would order, uh, the ribeye and then I would get a filet rare and take it to go for bogey. Right. Um, it, it's one of those things, you know, um, you think back on things and, and some of the friends that you get into it with and stuff. One of the guys this spring, you know, he got pissed off because I kind of said something that he had wanted to keep quiet or whatever. But um, we kind of get into it and he's like, dude, I just want to show up and play golf. So did I. I just wanted to show up and play golf. But Dumb and Dumber had run the place so bad. There's so many I can't make this up moments that I just can't not talk about it, you know? I, so at the end of the day, I, I left, right? It's not worth spending the money. You know, I tried to stay out of it. I did. You watch me. When anybody that knew me that saw me, you might've thought I was a loner. You might've thought I hated everybody. I really didn't care what you thought. I walked in. I went to the bar. When we first got there, you guys were all sitting at tables. I sat at the bar and would talk to Mike. You guys drove him out of there. When I finally left, the business was all upstairs and I would go all the way around. I would sit away from the conversation and away from the drama as far as I could because I didn't care enough to get into it anymore. All I just wanted was the greens good. That was it. I didn't care about anything else they did, right? So again, you go, it's one of those things, you know, um, and you know by now, when asked my opinion, I'm going to give it. So when I get the DMs and the comments and stuff, I know you riling me up and I know you like it. Fuck you for doing it. I love you for it. <laughs> no, nah, but food is another one, right? Food's not that important to me. It's it just like whatever. Yes, I'll get to go. I'll get takeout. If you give me a minimum of $75, come on. If you can't spend $75 a month at your home club on food, what are we doing? Right? So yes, I expect there to be a minimum. You know, if I'm going to join a place, I grew up at a club with no kitchen. So if I'm going to join a place, I would like to have a, have a food option, you know? So, um, I don't think $75 a month. And, and if you're a lower end club or whatever, 25 or $50 a month, just for the chef to have an idea of what's going on. Right. Um, just a clue of, Who's coming in? How much they're going to spend? How do we survive? You know, 
the chef has no chance if he doesn't, especially if you're going to try to do a chop house menu and fancy food that goes by. No, you know, for four years, I dated four seasons, not four years, but four seasons. I was dating one of the cart girls and every day I would ask, why don't you have better options on the cart for food? Well, the guys don't buy it, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, why don't guys buy it? And then I'd talk to my buddies when I play. Why don't you order food? Why don't you ever get food off the cart? Well, if we try to order it, kind of give us a hassle. It takes forever at the bar. Yeah, okay, I get that. But all right, I used to get the beef jerky all the time. It's fucking $18. I get it, expensive. But when I heard bags of chips were four fifty, now you kind of shake your head, right? And then you have an outside snack bar open just off your property offering hot dogs and quick to go food and from what i heard they made a feeble attempt to combat it they just it's again you're a private member owned club you shouldn't be dealing with these dish issues by reacting you should be proacting like why do we not own that why do the, why is the club not running that Right? Oh, you got to bring it up to code. This, that. Well, you used to own the house and you sold it. It's just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And then they react to it. So that's, you know, you start seeing that at clubs, you know, talk to members before you join, right? You start hearing the nickel and dime stuff and, you know, nothing's ever given back. Um, you know, it's you know, the private tournament, the one day events that go away, that were special. Um, that's what you think about when you join it. And that's what you ask. Those are the questions you should be asking. You know, one quick thing on the food stuff, right? You hear me say it all the time. You know, I love the bougie. You know, I'll go to David Burke when I'm at Foxwoods. I'm not afraid to order a bottle of Camus when I'm liking the wine. But at the end of the day, I've also told you I'm happy with ramen noodles, peanut butter and jelly, hot dogs and hamburgers, right? So um, you have your expectations and you got to know what your membership's looking for, right? Um, maybe I'm wrong, but the conversations that I have and the conversations behind the scenes and the conversations with my buddies, it's all about conditions, right? It's golf. If golf is good and we're having fun, we're having a good time, it doesn't really matter the money, it only comes into play when you start thinking, is this worth it anymore, right? Um, and I, and again, it's you're on the tour of the membership, right? Um, you're trying to decide what is right for you. Make sure you're in the right budget. You know, there's no shame in joining a, a, a low-end private club that's in good shape and has a great membership, right? But know what you're getting and understand what you're getting into. There's expectations that are a little too high and then there's expectations that are a little too low, right? Um, it's funny. I, I get, Tor, why are you so negative? I don't think I'm that negative. Yes, I point out the, the, the obvious and I point out the shit that really should be pointed out. But I also point out as many positives. You've heard me talking gear and swag and shoes that I like and companies that I use, right? I'm not bought and paid for. This is my positive opinion on shit. 
I haven't gone negative at anybody either because nobody's paying me to go positive about theirs, right? So I'm not going to hate on companies. I'm not hating on products. I'm just having a rant about an old school classic golf course and what I like to join, what I'm looking for when I'm going to join a club. And I get asked these questions all the time. So it's one of those things where you think I'm ranting, but I'm not, you know, it's you know, stuff like not locker rooms and bag storage and, you know, all that stuff and simulators and whatever. Just get the greens good. I don't care about any of it. Yes, it's cool if you have it. I will support it the way they did it at my former club. I'm claustrophobic. I can't be back in that room. It drives me up a wall. They did it at Harmon as well. I couldn't play the simulator on the left. I thought I was going to hit the back wall. Um, Harmon went back to one. I think that's a great move. Um, I think the members that'll enjoy it still has enough access to it. And you can kind of spread out, have a good time, watch the game, order some food, have some beers that don't get spilled all the time, you know. So, um, again, but that stuff, it's like whatever, you know. I, I don't even really care. Like, um, it, you know, it, I never left my clubs there. I never stored them. They went straight to the cart, to the trunk. You know, but I was always five on the steering wheel because that's part of being a member there. You don't tip to get service. Service comes, it should be expected and it should be talked about by management, but they're there to make money. Listen, it's not the bag room manager's fault if he was off and a 15 or 16 year old kid didn't clean your clubs come on like tipping is part of the game it's part of being a membership it's part of having a membership it just you know come on right um after layout and food and all that then you get into the extras right practice facilities you know range no range i don't really care good short game area is it for me you know um that's i think Caddyshack 2 killed it. I think they could put a little bit of money in out there. Not a lot of money and effort. And that they could really kill it. Um, but again, that's an important one to me. I throw in the headphones. 50 to 25 yard pitches. I can just go out there. High, low, bumping runs. And just chill, listen to music. Um, it was cool. You know, when I had the dog, he just kind of sit there in the shade and just watch me and hang out. And, um, uh, but that's one of those. Yeah. That's it's short game area is at the top of the list, you know? Um, but again, when you're on the full sales pitch, right. Um, these are the things that they're not going to mention to you tipping and little extra costs here, things that you pay for there, Make sure you're asking those questions because you see, you hear guys, um, I had a conversation yesterday with a, a member at Caddyshack too, and he was talking about, I can't order anything with my credit. Um, hard goods never go on sale. Um, and I've also heard they have about as much inventory in there. You could probably pay for two aeration and sands, but that's not the point. Um, the point is they all do it. Every club does it. That's standard practice. It's late in the year. They don't want to bill 
coming due because you waited to spend your credit. You should have spent it throughout the year. Everybody needs balls, gloves. There's a shirt that came in that you like it, buy it. Um, but everybody does it. So you get in a conversation and I stuck up for Caddyshack 2 the other day because they're doing standard practices. You know, they're not a year-round club. They don't have a huge Christmas crowd, right? They do a little bit, but, you know, they got to find a way to get rid of that merchandise. And they want you taking stuff that they can't send back off the shelves, not stuff that they can, right? So, um, you know, that's the thing when you're, when you're looking at clubs and, and that's the vibe. That's the stuff people are talking about. That's the things people are sending to me, right? So you have to temper expectations and I, it's so much easier to keep the golf course good and keep members happy than have the golf course bad and have members not notice the pricing and the nickel and diming and the, oh, we're getting charged for everything, right? Um, it and then, all you know, the staff, you know, what are the staff talking about? What are they saying? How they interact with the members? Is it a stuffy vibe or the members, you know, expect to be called mister? Or can you talk shit back and forth and have some fun with the staff? You know, not crossing the line, but knowing, you know, where that line is that, you know, she's been here 20 years. How long have they worked there? How do they get along with management? More importantly, how do they speak about management? How do they speak about the members, right? You know, these are the things that I care about when I'm joining a club. Um, obviously, tournaments have a huge, huge thing for me. And conditions go with that, right? I want to be ready to go. My short game is huge for me. I chip and putt. You know, that's what I do. And when you start getting the conditions that don't, play that way you know they kind of mud you can fly balls to the hole and it just stops and then you go play a tournament away and you can't play to your handicap because the golf course just isn't what it's supposed to be you know so um yeah that's me you know that's what I look for that's what I like yeah I get it some of the rants I go on are personal you know when Bob the Builder accused me of stealing that's one thing you don't do with me I've never stole a thing. I've never been accused of being shady. I paid my bill on time. I'm still waiting for that apology, bud. You never apologized. It's pretty fucking sad. You accuse somebody of stealing and you never apologized. So that's my reason for leaving. Like I said, it probably takes, with all the guests I brought, with all the drinks I bought, with all the food I ate, with all the tournaments I played, it probably takes one and a half members to replace my revenue. Guy ranting and raving about the greens. Nothing else. Until next time, guys. Let's go!